everyone. Welcome to the Scarehouse Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dutters, and with me today is creative director, co-owner, all kinds of shenanigans from the Scarehouse, Scott Simmons. Hello! He's back. He never goes away. Nope. <laughs> and today we are with... Papa. Hi! I'm Sean Collier. I never really go away either. I just don't have a title. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, you really are always here. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Sean is not only returning to the Scarehouse podcast, but I was thinking about this <laughs> because the three of us are um, frequently on various podcasts that we ourselves produce or others produce. Right. Sometimes when we were preparing for this, I started thinking like, oh, we talked about, oh, no, we never actually talked about, we, that was an actual conversation we had. Yeah. I was just in real humans. life mm-hmm. as right. humans, right? We didn't actually we never talked about that on the air. We have human conversations on occasion, not rarely. Uh, yeah, not, not often. often. No, no, no. Uh, from time to time. Uh, no, I do. I do lots of things. Um, you can't handle the truth. Is my movie podcast, which uh, we do a live from the basement. Uh, yes, every year. <laughs> every year. In addition to you know movie things uh, and uh, movie critic for WDV Radio and associate editor for Pittsburgh Magazine and you know other stuff. I also I also never stop I, I never stop existing, which is my job. Yeah. You never <laughs> stop working on Scarehouse. I'm like that, but with like five different things. Yes. So yeah, yeah. and and something that I think. Um, I hope everyone listening to this and everyone who knows you appreciates is you are also a supporter and fan of so many uh, different things happening in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. because I think um, not just in Pittsburgh, but in a lot of creative endeavors, you're always going to find people who like you, like I would say like us, who are always out there hustling, always out doing this, doing this, doing this. But um, you are very outspoken about when you find a thing or you find a new endeavor, you are say like, hey, everyone, you've got to check this out. You know, you've been one of the biggest fans of a lot of the stuff that Anne does, for example. Yeah. Other, you know, and that's, that's unfortunately somewhat rare. A lot of times when hmm. you see some of the people who are out there doing stuff, they, and yes, the nature of what we do causes, you have to be somewhat self-promoting. But um, I've always appreciated how, especially on Facebook, you're like, you should go to this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not even connected to the, with this thing, really, but go see it because it's awesome. Sure. Yeah, it's well, and, and we've had this conversation a number of times. Um, far too many people, like, hang out in their house, you yes. know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and don't go do things. I was talking about this. We, we I, I ran into uh, both of you at Red Bull Flugtag <laughs> on <Yes>. Saturday. <laughs> and on the should I, this this is kind of a snarky conversation so I won't out who I had it with I'll take ownership <laughs> but it was kind of like what why do I want to trash the regatta I'm not trashing the regatta the regatta is fine yeah. but it's you do go down there and you're kind of like so why all the people? Like fundament- <laughs> fundamentally, it's like it's some boat races. Now, Flugtag was obviously a different event that hasn't happened before. But like, there's some boat races mm-hmm. and there's some entertainment um, and Smash Mouth. Who doesn't wow. love Smash Mouth? Hey now. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not like hey, this is the best thing I've ever been to. It's it's a it's a kind of second-rate county fair that happens to be happening downtown. I'm sorry I love the regatta. I really shouldn't have said any of that, but here we are. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so this person I was having a conversation with was like, why, why do so many people come out to this? 
I think there's a lot of people just outside of the city who go downtown five times a year. Oh, mm-hmm. that's really you know? profound. Yeah. Who, yeah. who go down for the regatta and go down for two pirate games and go down to tailgate at one concert and go to... Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's, it's less... You know, this is a, the great thing, and more people are kind of set in their ways and kind of living their yeah. lives. And sure, but there's so much great stuff happening in Pittsburgh that mm-hmm. I want more people to experience it. And mm-hmm. like you said, a lot of the Uncumber Theatric shows, yeah. um, Scarehouse, a lot of Arcade, where I'm performing all the time as well, a lot of the stuff at Arcade Comedy Theater. Mm-hmm. I just want people to, to be there. I want, I, want, I want to see places that are doing... Things that are a, a little outside of the normal routine succeed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know what it is. I think sometimes there's this misconception that if you're going to something that's in the city of Pittsburgh or East Liberty, mm-hmm. that it's extra expensive or it's, you know, and it's, I, I think I said this myself in a previous podcast, this whole mentality of, you know, you can do better. And Especially the shows at Arcade Comedy are very inexpensive. You know, mm-hmm. you're not yeah. spending ton of, you know, f- but so many people will just fall back on, well, here's the thing I know. Mm-hmm. I'm going right. to go to this chain restaurant and I'm going to get, you know, go get the, the movie from the, whatever, the DVD thing. Redbox. Redbox, thank you. Mm-hmm. And you go like, well, for that same amount of money, you could have gone downtown and actually seen live comedy or live mm-hmm. entertainment or improv. Right. You could have supported some local interesting restaurant mm-hmm. downtown. You know, like, just shake it up a little bit. The world's yeah. not going to end if you go downtown. Yeah. <laughs> or cross a bridge. Oh, or a tunnel. Or a tunnel. Tunnels need you. Uh, no, the, uh, I mean, those are terrifying. But yeah. <laughs> I lived in Bethel Park for three months. And when I, mo- when I moved there, I was like, it's not a big deal. It's right there. And after two weeks, I was like, I don't think it's in Pennsylvania. I think, no. it, I think it's in Virginia, not even West Virginia. I think I live in Virginia yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That I, takes forever. But Yeah, I grew, yeah. Up, in the, I grew up in the South Hills. And uh, still, like when I'm going there to you know, visit my parents or go yeah. there, there's a certain parts of that process. I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So you like movies. That's true. I've heard it. It's a uh, rumor. Uh, yeah, I'm contrary to everyone who thinks that I hate everything. Yes. Yeah. I that's do one thing you're like known for. movies. Well, that, that's that, that, I don't know if we covered this or we've ever covered this. Like, when did that start? When did you become um, a comic book guy? Hating all the things. Yeah. yeah well, that <laughs> when did I become? No, I was going to ask when. I was going to asking when did you be, when, realize you were a movie fan? And, no. and, <laughs> like, the cynicism was going to be a follow yeah, up. No, question. the sad thing is, I like in the scale of movie critics, I'm not comic book guy. Like, I'm 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 the critic that will say, not calling anybody else out, but like, I'm the critic that will give Wonder Woman the same score I gave spotlight more or less because like I, I i i have i like i'm not prejudiced against popcorn movies or genre fare i mm-hmm. like all of that there's just more crappy movies than people want to admit mm-hmm. yeah. like about half of them and maybe a little bit more than that yeah. are, are not that great and i don't want people to waste their money on them and then yeah. i i get you know i i think uh Anytime you're not like, everything's cool and fun, <laughs> that people say, oh, you're negative. Like, no, I'm just trying to. Anyway, better question. Um, <laughs> I always I always liked movies. I, I, I liked horror movies first. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Perhaps okay. that will segue well in a moment. Yeah. Um, 
I got really into horror movies when I was about 13. That's basically all I cared about for three or four years. And then uh, when I started working at a movie theater, mm-hmm. working at the concession stand at Showcase Cinemas North, which is no longer there. Oh, wow. Um, when I was maybe about 17. And so that's when I started, like, everything that was at the theater I would see. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, I was like, well, if I'm seeing everything here, I should see everything at all the other theaters, too. And just got in the habit of seeing everything that came out. Yeah. Um, and I took a, 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 you know, a film criticism class when I was, mm-hmm. when I was like, 16. And, um, yeah, I just, like, it, it, movies just captured more of my mind than things usually do. Because mm-hmm. like a lot of people, my mind bounces all over the place. And like, you know, after a while I realized like, oh, I think about movies way more than anything <laughs> mm-hmm. else, really. Um, so, it, 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 you know, I just kept giving my opinion about them mm-hmm. until someone actually asked yeah. many years later. Awesome. Well, it's for me, now I find that... I, I It's interesting, especially this summer, I have been to the movies quite a lot mm-hmm. um, but I've actually watching fewer movies at home because when I'm at home it's too easy to pick up the phone or pick up the laptop or, yeah mm-hmm. like it's a one of the few ways I can really shut my brain off especially when you're going to see a movie in IMAX or in the really big presentation mm-hmm. you're like I'm in it mm-hmm. I'm not thinking mm-hmm. about 13 other things I can it is that true escape um, so it's interesting this summer, like, as I said, like I'm seeing probably on average about a movie a week um, right now. But then yeah. the only my amount of actually home television watching is like, OK, I watch Game of Thrones because social media reveals all the spoilers <laughs> and I'm going back to work. No, and I, I, I'm forcing myself now to watch more movies from before I could. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, um, because. I don't really watch movies that at home that often either. And part of that is I love going to the movies. Yeah. So as soon as I got a driver's license, I would much rather see a okay movie mm-hmm. in the theater or see a good movie I had already seen a second or third time yeah. than watch a movie at home. So, you know, someone is shocked at something I haven't seen yeah. every day. Um, so I'm, and I'm sick of that. So I, I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to start. Cause it's, well, if I, if I, if I make one more early millennial, late Gen X or mad <laughs> about not having seen the Goonies, it's like, uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I yeah. have two thoughts on that. Yeah. Number one, being who I am, everyone assumes I've seen every horror movie yes. ever made. I have not. Yeah. Um, especially a lot of the newer stuff. And admittedly, some of that is, I've used this joke before it's like when you're a plumber and you come home, you're not going to unwind by fixing your bathroom. Like, right. I'm thinking about Scarehouse all the time. I come home, I'm like, no, I'm going to watch Interspace. I'm going to watch some, you know, some something else that doesn't have the scary demons and everything mm-hmm. else. So I'm way behind on that. Um, but then also that that thing of I'm old enough that I saw the Goonies in the theater when it came out. Yeah, and that's been really interesting for me that these movies now that we're in this very heavy 80s nostalgia and as people mm-hmm. are talking about you know back to the future and goonies mm-hmm. i can say not only i saw these movies in the theater but i had an experience that i think is almost impossible to replicate of not knowing much about these movies when you saw them like i saw gremlins right. as mm-hmm. a sneak preview and all we knew about it was this is a new movie from steven spielberg 
directed by Joe Dante. And I was enough of a nerd at that point. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I know his work. I'm familiar with The Howling and Piranha and whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, these movies, you know, Back to the Future, we knew nothing about it. Yeah. And so I love that. And now, and I've ranted about that before, so I won't repeat it. But um, I'm trying, that's a new thing that I'm trying to do is really avoid trailers, avoid reading buzz, just go in cold. And that really helps. Yeah, the focus, the, the pre-release hype is not, I, I think is automatically a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'd like a trailer, sure, but when you have big fans of a property who have watched six different versions of the trailer and read updates and yeah. seen teasers and, and, and you know, really, uh, you know that thing when a, a Marvel trailer comes out and people like theorize about every image yeah. and every, everything that's not helping your enjoyment of the no. movie at all. And I realize, you know, I love that people are passionate about things. There's plenty of stuff that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. but that like people think that that is making, you know, is adding to their movie experience. It's really just making it harder and harder for those two hours to live yeah. up to your experiences mm-hmm. when yeah. you finally get to the theater. Well, and then you set an expectation of, oh, here's what I think the story is going to be. Here's what's going to happen. And then when that doesn't happen and you get angry, you're like, but right. take it on its own terms. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's rough. And Dutters, unlike uh, us two nerds over here, uh, you were a fan of movies entertainment, but you do not watch them because... Yeah. Whereas we find them very calming and soothing to sit still and focus, that is kind of your hell. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's huh. weird. I, I don't sit still very well. Hmm. And the, the whole idea of going to the movie theater for me is, okay, I have very limited free time. I'm going to spend two plus hours at a movie. I think I maybe have gone to bad movies. And it's like, I'm going to go to two plus hours in the movie. I'm going to pay way too much for my movie ticket. And I'm going to walk out of there and go, that was it. Or and, mm. it's, and then you kind of like so I always have a fear of going into movies like there's certain ones like I'll go see Star Wars and I'll mm-hmm. make sure I see certain ones but beyond that I'm like I might be disappointed I'll watch it later and then I forget to watch it later yeah. <laughs> like then I end up watching a lot of the same things over and over again because I know what's going to happen see that's so why weird. that's that's why I'm I regatta. exist I'm yeah. regatta. <laughs> right <laughs> no it's fine that's what but that's my job is yeah. to t- is to tell you whether or not that'll be worth <laughs> yeah. your money yeah uh, and and. You know, I mean, nothing is worse than a critic whining about people not appreciating critics. But there's the but there's a lot of people who who you know say, yeah, I don't read reviews because I don't want anything to be ruined. Yeah. It's like, we made this movie well, for the fans, not for the critics. Like, well, critics <laughs> are critics because they love movies. Well, not only that, I want to be like, you know, you can do both. Yes. You know, you can satisfy fans and right. be good. Yeah. You know. Uh, anyway. Yes. So, yeah, so maybe I just need to pay more attention to you. You can lead me. Sure. <laughs> sure. Dutters will tell you that a different, the, the team this year mm-hmm. uh, is is remarkable. It's incredible. But every conversation that I have starts with, it's like, insert movie name here. Right. And they all stare at me blankly. I'm like, really? Oh, no. And it's actually gotten mm-hmm. to the point for the last couple of years where when we're developing a theme, mm-hmm. I actually give everyone homework. Yes. Like, here are the movies you're going to watch. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start throwing Mean Girls lines at you. That's just going to happen. I've seen Mean Girls. Seen, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start finding those kind of movies. Can't hardly wait. I'm going right. to find that whole genre of movies and just start throwing. And that scene where they were in the bathroom. <laughs> and you're be like, well, I, like I can talk shade about Sean's former uh, place of employment since it's not there anymore. 
I used to live in the North Hills. Oh, okay. I used I to like, live. Which one? <laughs> All right, go ahead. I lived five minutes away from that very theater. I never went there because um, throughout the nineties, that theater was a little bit on. It was not in the greatest shape. Mm-hmm. Oh no! So I would actually make a point of driving to Waterworks Waterfront mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. actually see the. And when I go to I go to California frequently, and a big part of the reason why I go to L.A. is quite honestly to see movies because mm-hmm. those movie theaters are yeah. just palaces and cathedrals to movie lovers and nobody talks and everyone's respectful because they all know each other and they are like oh i know that guy in the movie you know and yeah. it's no they're, they're, that's those were the 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 like you know teenage charm movie theaters where mm-hmm. it, like this is less a place where art is viewed and yes. more like you're 16 and you go and hang out yeah. and you sit and, and it's crappy and the, the picture isn't even that great, but you sit yeah. in the back row and eat popcorn and make jokes with your friends. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. and, and and those had a, a place. And when I see like a nicer version of that, like Hill Cinema is a nicer yeah. version of that. Yeah. Where they have replaced the seats, people are decent, but it, it kind of has that strip mall charm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're better now that... Uh, uh, you know, places that care. Wasn't that a weird moment in the 90s where quality was just not a thing? Oh, like, yeah. fast food was terrible yeah. and nobody oh, yeah. cared if a thing was good or bad. It was just... there. Well, because Showcase Cinemas North, mm-hmm. they took their number of screens and they thought, oh, we can make more money by showing more movies and having more screens. Yeah. So they did not expand. They just took their theaters and in some cases split them into two or even three. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the one... Like, you would have a theater that one time was massive... But had maybe like four seats across an aisle and then three seats, mm-hmm. but then was super long. So then you couldn't sit in the mo- middle of the theater mm-hmm. because there was an aisle in the middle of the theater. Like the middle right. of the screen <laughs> was the theater. And I remember in the 90s going to see a Jackie Chan movie, Rumble in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And I think there were seven of us, and we couldn't sit in the same row because there weren't seven seats across right. in the theater. Wow. Yeah. You kids today. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a good. And I and I may have said this on the podcast before too. I have whatever this weird disorder is that I can be. I can have very specific memories of where and when I saw a movie for the first time. Mm-hmm. But then, like, meets what I have for lunch tomorrow or tomorrow. What I have for lunch yesterday. What did you have for lunch yeah. tomorrow? Uh, or like <laughs> spend like half an hour with somebody and then like who name gone, gone. all of it. Oh, there's certain things I've given up on. Yeah, and 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 you're you're public facing. You're both public facing to a degree, mm-hmm. and and you know, um, but we're, but between like that and like working in creative fields, I like I'm introduced to somebody basically every day. Mm-hmm. And I oh, al- yeah. I already was bad with names and faces. Oh, so yeah. I just stopped trying. <laughs> I was like, if look, if they actually care, they're going to like pop up on my Facebook wall often enough that I'll work it out. Right. Mm-hmm. It's with it's with directions too. I don't know how to get here. I don't know how to yeah. get everywhere. I'm yeah. just putting it in my phone. Well you have yeah. to do the Pittsburgh um, the Pittsburgh thing of you go to where something used to be yeah. then you turn left. Here you go to where the Millvale Industrial Theater was. <laughs> Keep oh, driving yeah. until it says Etna. Then you just go into Etna until the scarehouse happens. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, I, can I quote you for the website? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, how do you get the scarehouse? Well, yeah. Although that's not where you park. So what's, yeah. what's no. the use of that? Yeah. Free parking at the PPG. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. The Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium. Mm-hmm. There you go. 
Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try something fun. And as opposed to other podcasts. Allegedly fun. Allegedly fun. I, I've thought about doing this for a, for a while, and so we're going to try this. And please leave comments and let us know what you think. Um, we're going to – each one of us is going to take a turn counting down our favorite six scary movies. Hey, so, there are three of us. So it goes six and then six and then six? No, I was thinking like, yeah, six. I'm pointing. Right. Everyone listening at home can see I'm pointing. So mm-hmm. we'll go like six, six, six and then ah, count see, down. And there see might what be happened some overlaps. There. Yeah. yeah, there might be overlap. Yes. And I have five on my list. So I have five. <laughs> 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 I'm just like that's not. So awesome. I'm gonna name. Uh, so we're, we get to choose what uh, Katie's sixth yes. favorite scary right. movie is. I forgot about the Howling. That was one of my. There, I, there I, you I, go. Six. So six, when you six. said that, I was like, I forgot. I love that movie. There you go. Number I've six, the Howling. Movie. There you go. I have not seen the Howling. I, what? I know, I know. See, that's what happens. <laughs> that's why I need. I know the Howling. <laughs> this is all I can say about the Howling. Is uh, the only reference I had for it was a line in Scream where somebody asked Jamie Kennedy, what's that horror movie or werewolf movie with E.T.'s mom in it? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I I always heard that line and thought, oh, that must... And interpret that to mean the alien mother of E.T. I was like, man, that movie must take a turn. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't even notice. That e, the E.T. characters yeah. are in... Oh, you mean the actress who played the human yeah. mother. Oh, I yeah. see. I yeah, see. it's oh, that's it's that's a good one. It's mm-hmm. um, I okay. I'm, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to throw out all the trivia, but yeah. that actually is a really good segue into me. So I'll go to number six because the Howling came out uh, the same year as my number six, which is an American Werewolf in London. Mm. You've seen that? At the end of this, I will I will reveal which from each of your lists I have seen. Okay, just so that you don't make that noise yes. twelve times. I, I might. Yeah, um, I just shake my head. He'll know. It's okay. Yeah, no, and and I'll say this: something quoting something Edgar Wright said. Whenever asked to like rank your favorite movies, I could get asked the same question next week and have a totally different mm-hmm. list or sure. different order. But as I was thinking about it, I thought, okay, I feel comfortable putting an American Werewolf in London at six. One of the few if not arguably the best movies to combine humor and horror in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the scary stuff is really scary. And as I've gotten older, and this will be a recurring theme, and I watch that movie, I can really appreciate the bizarre rhythms. And, you know, it does not go where you think it's going to go. It's, it's, it is aged very, very well. So my number six, An American Werewolf in London, Sean Collier. Uh, and by the way, like I wanted to be like different and thoughtful and like nerdy, and then uh, this is going to be a, a fairly predictable list. But the things I wanted to put on, if I had like, if I hadn't seen all of the greatest horror movies of all time, I thought about because these are the nerdy picks. Were like the abandoned nobody. Oh yes, I'm a big fan of that one. You're talking yeah. the one from uh, Easter. The, with it, the, it's somewhere in Europe. It's like made in three countries. Yeah, with the, the it has zombie doppelgangers. Yes, doppelgangers. In fact, this is good. The here, here's how weird this is. Um, there is actually a character in the Scarehouse trailer that just dropped that is actually heavily influenced by the sister that? in that. Because See, when we were looking at it, in fact, the abandoned has been a big reference point for Scarehouse trailers over the years. So that's absolutely something to see. Yeah, I, I'm not. I I'm not going to tell you it's my sixth favorite, but it's yeah. really good. Uh, right at your door is a movie that nobody has seen about uh, uh, 
dirty bombs go off and the husband's at home but the wife's away and he waits as long as he can but they end, then he has to seal off the house oh. To, oh, wow. to keep the things out and then she comes home oh. as soon as oh. the house is sealed. Really, really good. Oh. Green Room from last year yes. was really great. Love that. Uh, and High Tension which has been completely forgotten but was terrifying I, at the I, time. I have not seen that but I've heard good things. Yeah. And Green Room is fantastic. I actually saw that in the theater and that was... Yeah. Incredibly, that yeah. is a movie that's so intense and so good, and it's available on, I think, Amazon streaming. And I keep seeing it. Like, I want to watch this again, but I'm in kind of like I'm relaxed. I don't want to have that mm-hmm. level of, but mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff. So then, the actual predictable choices. Uh, my six is Halloween. Okay, it's that low because it's it actually it, like when you I, I watched it at Row House Cinema so the first time I'd seen it in the theater when you really evaluate it again in 2017 it's a little thin mm-hmm. like story wise but protagonist and antagonist are so good Michael Myers is great mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis is great I'm sure her character has a name no one knows it it's just Jamie Lee Curtis um, and Dr. Uh, Laurie uh, Laurie Laurie sounds yeah. right <laughs> Uh, and Dr. Loomis is great. Oh, he's amazing. Uh, and and the music is so good. And as and and anything that's you know, it set the tone for the next twenty yeah. years in every way. The atmosphere is great. The mood is great. The plot is it, it happens. Yeah. But um, you know, I always want to watch that every October. Yeah, and one of those movies I saw it in the big screen for the first time uh, last year. And you know a lot of like a lot of great movies they they age well, but there are certain things that are funny now, and you know it's impossible to not overestimate how much of an impact Michael Myers has had on, yeah. on the culture and there are all these scenes of a guy in a Michael Myers mask driving the station wagon in mm-hmm. broad daylight, and people kind of look at him like, "Hey, what's that guy about as opposed to running for their lives yeah and that's kind of funny that it's almost played it's unintentionally funny now to see like this horrible guy just kind of driving around and people look like kids barely giving him a second look oh yeah a hardware store is robbed and the police officer says just a mask some knives and rope that's probably teenagers yes like no that's a problem (laughs) but we know that because of horror movies yeah all right number five yes uh i went with saw oh interesting yeah Yeah, i like that Yeah. yeah that was it was like it was one of the first really that was smart in just horrifying like the imagination especially for the first couple yeah like it got a little as, as yeah. they do but uh the first couple it was just like that is so smart like i never would have put that and then this is mm-hmm. oh, that's a cool way to torture somebody yeah <laughs> right. but like the scene with the needles mm-hmm. it just always sticks in my head where she had to reach into the needles and it was like ah so there's like those images that stuck with me and i think it i think it gets a bad rap for the whole quote-unquote torture porn thing but yeah. it, but the first one isn't that. No, no. I think yeah. it's a really interesting, fun, low-budget mm-hmm. thriller. It's yeah. in the same way that I would defend. I don't. I don't know if this is on anyone's list, but I would defend Hostel too. I mean, Hostel gets a bad rap, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of an interesting. You know, there's some interesting stuff it's playing with. I yeah. fell asleep halfway through Hostel, um, so it was a very uplifting impressive. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things were just good, and then you were asleep, and yeah. then you went home. And it was amazing. Yeah. It's a great movie. Nothing even went wrong. For no, those they kids. have a great trip. <laughs> Somebody, I was in the second t- I, second time seeing oh. it. Somebody fell asleep in my screening of Dunkirk. Ooh. I don't know how that's even possible. Yeah. Like yeah, not even tough. like not even a qualitative thing. Like yeah. it's the loudest movie yeah. in the world. Like how <laughs> yeah. do you? Say? So I oh, saw 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 the first one. You know. Does indeed get a bad rap, mm-hmm. and that's uh, and that. I mean, the series—it's one of those series where 
every movie introduced a new. Actually, it was this person. Yeah, always. yeah, kind of was annoying. But uh, that's coming back this year too. There's yeah. another one this October. Well, so another we'll movie that has a really tight, compressed storyline mm-hmm. and twist. That as they try to make sequel after sequel, the whole story behind it becomes so incredibly convoluted that you right. just go, just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. You know? Paranormal Activity was another one. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. maybe stop trying to retroactively create a mythology mm-hmm. around. The more you explain, the less scary it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Um, my number five, and again, like Sean, these are all, I, I wish I could play sort of the hipster card and go right. like, you know, there's this Polish film. That, but no, right. I'm, uh, I'm going to go another big influence on Scarehouse. I'm going to go for Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's really much more to say about Evil Dead 2, but for me, it's that perfect mix of Evil Dead 1 uh, attempting to be much more serious and fairly unpleasant at times, mm-hmm. and um, Army of Darkness, while great fun, is a little too silly and fun for me, but like Evil Dead 2 is just like right in that perfect speed, and it's such... I mean, the, the demon design in it, there's all of those elements that fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, so great. And another one that mixes humor and horror, and also a fantastic experience for me when I saw it, because, again, no hype. All I knew is I hadn't even seen Evil Dead. All me and my friends knew when we were going to see it was there's this new movie called Evil Dead 2. It's a sequel to a movie that Stephen King really liked. Saw some photos in Fangoria that looked really cool and grisly. Yeah. Because no one could... No, you, you could not have found Evil Dead at that time. No. This was pre-VCR. Yeah, exactly. And, and Evil Dead was a cult hit at best. Yeah. So there was absolutely no way for you to have seen the original. And so to be in... It either would have been Cinema World or Southland 9. And to see a movie like that and not know, like, are we supposed to be laughing at this? Because <laughs> Groovy and the hand, like, yeah. all that stuff... Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my number five. Uh, my number five is uh, is Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, good. oh very um, good. That was when I said that as a teenager I was obsessed with horror movies. That was that was one of the first big ones where I got the the VHS box set of the oh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, which like two and a half are good of those seven movies, and and other than the first one, I'm not giving a whole point to anything. Right. Like like. The first one is great, mm-hmm. and then like two, three, and six are half good. Kind okay, of. yeah. Um, but that's one. I Freddy's such a great character because like I, I was just talking about this the other day where we when we were doing Annabelle creation for the podcast, mm-hmm. where the the line like. Comedy and horror are kind of the same mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a movie like Annabelle Creation, where they screwed it up, and it wasn't done well enough, so everywhere where people should be screaming, people are just laughing. Mm-hmm. It can go sour. But yeah. if you play it right, you know, like, set up, set up, set up, punchline is kind of the same thing as build suspense, build suspense, mm-hmm, scare. Mm-hmm. And that character walks... The, Freddie walks that line better than anybody else of the big iconic slasher villains. Right. But the other thing I love is, you know, I really love the 80s and 90s things where, thing where, um, like, teen, you know, comedies and teen horror movies had the exact same palette. They were always in the same neighborhoods. They were always, like, had the, the characters looked exactly the same. 
I really, really love those, and Nightmare on Elm Street nailed that, especially yeah. with Johnny Depp and what, Heather Langenkamp. Langen yes, yeah. we're perfect for yeah. it. Well, and it is such a tricky balance, because especially in the Nightmare on Elm Street films, as they went on, he became Henry Youngman. He became too mm-hmm. funny. He went too yeah. far the other way. Mm-hmm. But also, I think some horror movies take themselves very seriously. Right. And they're, and you know, and at some point you you it can end up becoming funny or you just laugh because you want to you want to release not even release the tension like, oh come on. Yeah. You know, at some point yeah, yeah. there would at least be a moment where somebody would laugh or crack a joke mm-hmm. or something strange would happen. Yeah. All right. All right number, number four, four. Mm-hmm. uh Jaws. I oh. am a sucker for a monster at the end of a movie. Like, yeah. I adore a lead up to a monster and then yeah. getting to see the monster at the end. Yeah. If you lead up to a monster and there's no monster, I'd be very upset. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. Jaws was just like this mythical beast underwater killing people. And then you see it and you're like, holy crap, that's massive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Jaws is one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's another movie that as I get older and watch it over and over mm-hmm. again, it's, it's just miraculous. And it's, um, P, you know, for a PG movie, there's some imagery yeah. in there that is pure <laughs> nightmare fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my number four is affiliated with Steven Spielberg, but it's uh, Poltergeist. Mm. And I will say that, you know, certainly Jaws is the better movie, but I think Poltergeist is one. That, and I should say, like, I don't even necessarily say that some of these movies are the scariest movies. Yeah. There are movies I've seen that have scared me much, much more but Poltergeist is the one that I will go back and watch over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Just it's um, just the photography, I, I, the photography on it, the editing, the Jerry Goldsmith score, fantastic. But also one of these movies that I love that made the supernatural and the haunted house, or just like with Jaws, mm-hmm. feel very relatable. You know, this was not teenagers going into the abandoned house. This was '80s suburban house mm-hmm. and. Yet again, a clown. And <laughs> I, you know, you watched that at the time. And it was incredibly relatable. And I'm a big fan of it. Uh, if Jaws counts, uh, yes. I, I have to throw out my list. No, Jaws is just <laughs> going to hover above my list. And, that, and I'm angry that I didn't think of that. Because <laughs> yeah. Jaws is one of my favorite movies Same. ever. And, like, if someone came up and asked me, is Jaws a horror movie? I'd be like, absolutely. And yeah. here's why. Here's a thesis on why. <laughs> and yet... In thinking about scary movies, I didn't think of it. Right. So, I, I, well, horror is so just right. broad. I, I remember reading an essay once because I'm that guy, and I'm sure it's not on any of our lists. So I'll just go ahead and say it. He he said Amadeus, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of my all time favorite movies. He said, "Isn't that a horror movie? Is it you know one character slow you know essentially does this horrifying thing to murder the person, and then he you know he himself becomes unhinged? You're like, well, yeah, you could actually argue mm-hmm. that that's a horror movie." Uh, my number four, though, uh, is is Scream, which... Oh, very Ooh, fun. Which that's, pl- all, that's on my list. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, because we were born relatively close to the same year. Yeah. So that's, uh, that, that was giant for anyone, not born before the 80s, not growing up in the 80s, but mm-hmm. born in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Scream was a really, really big deal um, and was kind of the horror movie that got a lot of buzz when you were just old enough to be aware of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I just rewatched it because uh, I had the flu, and for some reason I went, I want to watch Scream. Yeah. Um, and 
that works it it still it holds up and it works so well on a bunch of levels at the same time without trying mm-hmm. um well not without trying seemingly without trying mm-hmm. because it does completely you know on its surface it's a thing that deconstructs slasher movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as a comedy and does that perfectly mm-hmm. it's a great comedy Parod- that's why Scary Movie was so unnecessary. Scream was already that. Yep. Yes. Um, but then it also totally works as a slasher movie, too. When mm-hmm. it's just being scary, it completely scares mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... I, I was browsing the IMDb trivia because I'm that nerd. <laughs> um, and reading a little bit about how, especially um, Angelo Badalamenti, who did the score and the mm-hmm. screenwriter... Like put a little bit of a western in it as well. Oh, uh, in in the tone and in some of the structure, it 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 does so many things at the same time that yeah. I I still love it. And that cast is great. I know they all kind of suck as yeah. performers, but it, but in there they yeah. are perfect. Yeah. But even within paying sort of tribute to the '80s slashers and '90s slashers, like that's kind of what the you know that's yeah. the style of acting you would get. Mm-hmm. You would get a lot of TV stars. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Number what do we have? three, three, mm-hmm. three. Uh, Blair Witch Project. Oh, very good. I'm uh, glad this is on somebody's list. Yeah, because I... uh, Blair Witch Project hit right when the internet was starting, so yeah. you didn't couldn't go anywhere and go. Was this real? Did yeah. this really happen? And it was so minimally done, but it was you're like, what's happening? You're on the edge of your seat the whole time, like wondering what in the world is going on in the back of your mind. Is this real? Could this be real? Maybe mm-hmm. it is. Maybe it's not real. But just like the whole time, and how long they fooled people into thinking it was real. Yeah, mm-hmm. that went on for a long time. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that movie. It almost it was very close to making my list, and and mm-hmm. I I know a lot of people don't like it, and um, and I think the reason they don't like it is of course you don't see what it is, and mm-hmm. you know I, that's sort of classic scary movie, you know, with Jaws mm-hmm. and everything else. Like you build up all that anticipation. But at some point, it's sort of understood, like, oh, you're supposed to show the big monster. Like, mm-hmm. well, what if you didn't? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't – and also, like you said, it just ushered in such a whole era of found footage and everything else. But I remember – I mean, I remember the build-up to that. Mm-hmm. And just – it's one of those movies that, um, for me at least, it was like a time bomb. It was like a delayed response. Like, afterward, it was still sort of – Mm-hmm. In my brain a little bit, and it's the closest I think I've ever had in a theater to experiencing real dread. Mm-hmm. That shot towards the end where the camera pans up and you see the house, like my stomach actually yeah. dropped in a way that it rarely happens. It there weren't so many good. movies that were shot in a POV point of view either. No, that was like one that. of the no, to do that. I mean, speaking of stuff that was influential, I mean, that kind of became the horror trend of the next twenty years. Yeah, yeah, um, and and you know, we we like to you know, rip on stuff like Paranormal Activity now because there have been so many. But the first Paranormal Activity was really, really scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And by the way, is the most profitable film of all time. Yeah. You know, in terms of return on investment because it cost $15,000 to make and it made $200 million. So, uh, and that, no no scrap of that exists without Blair Witch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of, sometimes the movies... Especially the found footage movies for me personally, but sometimes a movie might not even necessarily work, but there will be one image or one thing that just goes, oh, all right, new nightmare. And for me, it's Mm -hmm. at the end of Paranormal Activity, that shot of her actually being dragged by the leg out of bed. Like, that's 
stuck yeah. with me for a while. Mm-hmm. That was that, uh, and and I'll, I'll, this will surprise a lot of people. That provoked more in theater freakouts than anything wow. in recent memory. Yeah, where I I remember when I I saw it. Um, when it it hadn't it didn't really have distribution yet. I don't know why we're talking about paranormal activity instead of Blair Witch, but um, <laughs> you were t- you were making a point about paranormal activity, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. I didn't just <laughs> yeah. I didn't just ignore the entire conversation and yeah. think more about paranormal activity. Uh, no, I remember when I saw it. It had it didn't even have distribution yet. It was doing like a road show. Oh yeah. Of college campuses, yes. yeah. and one I of them was hearing about this. One of them was at Penn State, and a, a friend and I drove up. To see, you know, she had heard the buzz, and so we drove up, and that was, and I, and I experienced people around me like crying and begging their friends to leave the theater and screaming and running. I knew a guy who worked at AMC Waterfront at the time who said that people, uh, 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 how how explicit is this podcast? People, uh, uh, yeah. people were like peeing themselves in the th- in seats. They they cleaned That's up wild. vomit from people. Wow. They said he said there was one guy who wouldn't leave the theater, who like had clawed onto oh his gosh. clawed onto his arms, and the credits ended, and they had to like go in and talk him down to get him wow. to go and leave because that was such a because found footage in the theater really messes with some people. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and the filmmakers of Blair Witch. Had nothing to go on there. They were just like, maybe this will work, and made a movie on it, and it totally did. And I'm a big, big fan of, I don't, I have one, the original DVD. I don't know if any of the stuff is still on current editions, but digging through the making of Blair Witch, I highly recommend, Mm -hmm. because the whole process of how the movie came together, when they, their original intent for that movie was to make it almost like a In Search Of. Like, it was actually going to be an hour-and-a-half narrative documentary. Mm. And all this weird stuff that ended up becoming the movie would just be the B-roll to support it. Mm. So there'd be interviews with oh. people. And they're like, what do you think happened, police officer, mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And it was in the process of editing where they said, what if we just put the weird – you know, what if we mm-hmm. just yeah. put all the POV stuff together? I think that could make a movie. Mm-hmm. So on the DVD, that – what was the original cut of the movie aired – I think it aired once or twice on the Sci-Fi yeah. Network. Mm-hmm. But it, it's its own weird special feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then also listening to the commentary track on how they made it, how they mm-hmm. – like so incredibly low tech. Like just literally at one point them hiding in the woods playing stuff on a tape deck. Like yeah. yeah. And it works so well. And interestingly enough, the the latest Blair Witch did not work nearly as well for me. No. I think because on one hand, it it felt so much more contrived. Mm -hmm. And like the camera moved around more than it did back then. I'm like, well, that makes even less sense. Mm -hmm. And there was so much like sound design and extra levels of special effects Mm -hmm. and things. Like, nope, that's that's not what a Blair Witch movie is. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed, you know, you shouldn't. Be in the theater and have this whole Dolby surround sound yeah. mix going all mm-hmm. around you. Like, no, you just, you just lost me. Mm-hmm. So, we're up to number three. Yes. But, and you and you're up. Oh, I'm up because yeah. you were also okay. Oh, I actually well, have. No, we're, I, we're just at three. We're at three. Yes. Which are I have, Wait, oh, that's right, because you said Blair Witch. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I got so excited. <laughs> I have a good segue off of P. I'm going to say The Exorcist. Ah. I'll be shocked yeah. if this is on anyone else's list. I've never seen it. What? I know. I know. Yeah, it, I've seen that one. <laughs> I would be curious to hear your response to Exorcist because it is it's probably hard to watch it now because mm-hmm. what makes the movie work so well then is for the first hour and a half or so 
there is sort of mystery of like, oh, is this person really possessed or not? Yeah. Just like we're talking earlier about Michael Myers. Now you go right. back and you're like, oh, yeah, she's possessed. Come on, get to yeah. get to yeah. get yeah. Right. Right. But um, it's, I mean, everything. Everyone knows The Exorcist and knows why it's so scary. But I think such an incredible movie when you think about. It's shot very. It's not found footage, but there's not a lot of like extravagant camera moves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's handled and it's shot and performed like it could just be a early '70s adult drama, and it just so happens that behind the door, all this horrifying, scary stuff is happening. It's so realistic. The acting in it is not only top notch, but again, another movie that's not just a bunch of teenagers in the woods. It's mm-hmm. feels mm-hmm. very real, very. Relatable and for me, absolutely terror terrified me. I'm not. I was not raised Catholic. I'm not a particularly mm-hmm. religious person, but something about that imagery of the demon really seared into my brain. As anybody who's been to scare the last few years can probably tell. Certainly. Uh, my number three. Here's my only hipster choice. Is my number three. <clears throat> excuse me. My number three is it follows. Oh, very good. Um, which like. I walked out of the theater and rapturously declared it the best American horror movie since Silence of the Lambs. Oh, wow. So I wonder why Silence of the Lambs isn't on my list. Anyway. <laughs> yep. um, but uh, it, have you both seen it? No. Yes. Okay. It's a movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you should see that one. It's... I, I mean, that scared me in a way that I didn't think things would still oh, be wow. able to scare me, mm-hmm. you know, at 29 or 30 or however old I was when I saw it. Um, it's... Perfect, you know, it's a perfect use of that throwback style. It has that, you know, that 80s, mm-hmm. that commenting on the 80s style to it mm-hmm. and sounds great and looks beautiful, but it's a fairly original concept. I, I love when there's a horror movie that isn't about zombies or demon possession mm-hmm. or creepy houses when it's you know, you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it for you, when when the bad thing in it is completely original, which yeah. is the case oh, yeah. here, um, and is done so effectively, and in a way that leaves it open to interpretation, which, eh, this won't make any sense, so it's not a spoiler. A lot of people say, oh, this is like a like a movie about STDs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the way that, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. He has three names, the last one is Mitchell. David Robert Mitchell. Sure. I'll look that up later. Um, it says, like, if you want it to be about that, go ahead. Yeah. But, like, yeah. he, he won't say, this is what I'm saying with this movie. Yeah. And it's so open for that. And that's the way to play into a lot of people's fears. Yeah. That's what Carrie does and The Shining does. It's, it's, it's about, it can be about a bunch of different things that mm-hmm. scare you. And once, and then we said this earlier, like, I feel some of the best horror movies, once you define it, that's yeah. why I think... Again, these movies that create additional mythologies or try to define everything. And there's this weird American thing, I think, of like, well, we need to know who that is or why that's happening. Like, you're just robbing it of its power. Some of the best, you know, Blair Witch being one we've mentioned already, the best horror movies is, oh, why is this happening? Or why is it like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's scary and just go with it, so... Well, that's that's why Rob Zombie's Halloween is so bad, is is that there's a speech in the original... Mm -hmm. He's purely and simply yes. evil. So if you do an origin, it goes a, a completely against the character that you're still using. Yeah. If you explain why he's evil, it does it ruins it. Yeah. And I and a lot of people don't get that. Um, it follows is really good. 
Well, and like exorcists, they never fully say, oh, here's why she's possessed, and here's yeah. who's doing it. Here, like, exactly. You just pick up little pieces of it. And I will also say It Follows was another uh, timed release bomb for me in that so I thought, wow, it was really good, picked up a lot of the references. And it was a it was probably two or three days later when I was just walking to the the back door of my house. Mm-hmm. My neighborhood is very quiet. Yeah. And there's those little like gaps between houses. And as I'm bringing my keys up, I just got this image in my mind of something just walking down that mm-hmm. that gap towards mm-hmm. me. I'm like, oh, Damn it. (laughs) David Robert Mitchell. Is that what I said the first time? Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to go for yes. All right. There we go. That's number three. Yep. Number two, I have my scream. Yeah. I had scream in it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just, it's it's so funny how it it totally was my generation. Like, it was was everything. Like, I was like, identify with this, identify with that. But then, like, you toss in a horror film with it. You're like, how did you do that? And, like, the point where, oh, I can't remember his name. He was, um, Oh, gosh. He was one of the killers, and he was just covered in blood. Uh, the one that was in Scooby-Doo. What's his face? Matthew Lillard. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> guy, yeah. That's how I know you, the guy from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I saw that movie, and just like... And you're like, Whoa. Yeah, she's seen Scooby-Doo. <laughs> right. The poor people. Well, something no, happened. no, no. Somebody just said that to me. Is like, you've seen every Saw movie, but you haven't seen The Goonies? Like, come on. All right. Sure. I'll and watch we, it later. We haven't reached the end of our list, but one thing I'm noticing, and this is fairly common... S- not just for scary movies, but a lot of times when people talk about their favorite movies, they're movies that they saw at a very certain point. Yes. Usually between right. like 10 and 17. Yeah. Like that's sort of mm-hmm. defining. And that was a big thing when I made my list. I'm like, I don't, all of these movies I had seen before I graduated from high school. I can yeah. think of things that I've seen since that I've really, really loved. Yeah. Um, like Babadook and stuff and yeah. The Descent. But like, for some reason, they don't necessarily form in my DNA because, like, I was already a grown up when I saw those. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, no matter how weird they were, you were kind of like, oh, I want to be these kids. Yes, yes. And like, anytime a horror movie can be like, I want to be these kids that are getting killed, yeah. and occasionally killing each yeah. other, yeah. But like, that, like, it's still so cool, and that's why, look, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street are on my list yeah. too. Yeah, it's like somehow when you hit that, like. It's a teen, like, wish fulfillment fantasy, just with murder, for yeah. some reason, that yeah. really, Yeah, Like, who really didn't want to open their garage door with somebody in the doggy door? Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I love that scene. Well, and I, I've said this before in the podcast, I think especially now, the appeal of Walking Dead and all these zombie movies is not, oh, scary zombies, it's, mm-hmm. they want to... Who wants? They, you want to be Daryl. You mm-hmm. want to, right. like, be driving down on a motorcycle and no pew, rules pew. and pew, pew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number two is the original Alien. Oh, um, mm-hmm. not only one of my favorite scary movies, but one of my favorite movies um, sure. altogether. And um, I think it is still, even with all this world of CGI and everything else, it is probably, I think, one of, if not the best films, to really make you feel like, where the hell are they? Like the set, the not only the character design, but especially the the set design when they go to the planet and they go in the ship, mm-hmm. you just feel like this feels so Lovecraftian and otherworldly. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a set made by human hands. And just, again, another example of there's Ridley Scott himself screwing it up. He's made all these movies trying to define every last little thing mm-hmm. and yeah. spell it out. Like, no, what makes that original so terrifying is you don't know, you know very little at the end of it. You don't know what the creature, the engineers and the creatures were. You don't know where the eggs came from. You don't know what the alien is. 
you don't know if it even died. You're just yeah. it's right. just this thing happened and that one person got out and it's incredible movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the more you explore, often the more the uh, you know it's uh, when that one that came out this year, which was yeah. real bad, <laughs> Alien Covenant. Is yeah. that yeah. the one? Uh, where it was like, hey, you know how Rogue One took an interesting thing and explained it at movie length? Okay, you you had that idea. You think your universe is mm-hmm. as interesting as the Star Wars universe? It's not, but you had that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is it going so slowly? Because he wants to make that a five movie arc. Yeah. And it's like if if Star Wars had that thought and did it in two hours, you're going a little crazy. Especially when it does undercut the impact of the original. That mm-hmm. said, the original is so great and is one of, and and uh, uh, is really terrifying at Disney World yeah. because at Hollywood Studios in the Great Movie Ride, which is one of my has been my favorite. In fact, loving I remember a moment at what was then MGM Studios in Disney World that was part of like the DNA of me loving movies coming off of the great movie ride. There's a part, there's a point where that car goes into the ship into the mm-hmm. Stromo, yeah. and the alien comes down at you from above. It's terrifying. Yeah. And, and so convincing uh, uh, that the, everything about alien is pure, pure terror. Yeah. And I think that the <laughs> I will become so angry, flat out angry. I'm obsessive sometimes. If a movie start, like if a movie's just bad from the beginning, like meh, all right. Mm-hmm. But if a movie is actually chugging along and has great potential, and then it just starts falling apart, and that's the way the new Alien movie was for me. The first mm-hmm. 40, 45 minutes, like okay, you're with me, you got it. By the end, I was, and I rarely do this. I was actually kind of swearing at the movie <laughs> in the audience. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it was by myself, but at one point, like, I couldn't, I didn't even realize I said it out loud. It was, and I think it was when they had the alien in broad daylight, all CGI'd out and just do, I'm like, yeah. come on. You yeah. can't create, like, the alien is this perfect killing machine and you just have it walking in the middle of the doorway like, hi, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, breaking news that you may not be aware of, Sean Collier, that ride is gone. No, it's not. It's gone, yeah. The great movie ride? Great movie ride. They just retired it, I think, last week. What? Yeah. Life Disney announced... I'm not finishing the list. They, uh, <laughs> Just yeah, flip a table and walk out. They, um, yeah, they retired the ride. Uh, some lucky fans actually got to walk through it and take photos. And it's being replaced by a Mickey and Minnie-themed experience where they set a D23. Oh, boy. They set a D23. They're trying to create it to feel like a 3D movie experience, but people won't wear glasses. But yeah, the actual. Sorry to break this to you, but that ride. It, this is how I felt when I got rid of the Jaws ride at Universal. We'll close on August thirteenth to make way for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Yes. Uh, well, shit. Um, <laughs> well, no, that's why I, I was down there last January, and uh, I, I I I had heard that there was a chance that it might not mm-hmm. last forever. Um, and so in, in a five hour trip to the park, I wrote it three times because I was like, I really want to, I really want to sear this in my mind. Yeah. Uh, and then I came back and people were like, oh, they're never going to close that. That was the flagship ride. That's like the, the, the big old golf ball thing at, at, at Epcot. That's, that's, that is their signature thing. There have been rumors about that. So, so, uh, (laughs) and I'm going to miss it by six weeks because I I told you I'm going down there the first week of October. Yeah. If I, and this, that's 
closing mid-August. If I had if I had known, uh, I would have bumped this trip up, even yeah. though I went on it three times last year. Yeah. Because that, I mean, it. that said, it was... How long is this podcast going to go? It, it was it was dated. It was yeah. sitting in a cart and looking at animatronics, yeah, which in yeah. 2017 is mm. yeah. Um, and I'm sad about the Jaws ride too. That said, the Harry Potter stuff is oh, so much more amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you, I fully you, support it. But it was also like, ah, oh, pour one out for Jaws. Yeah. yeah, you do kind of wish that there's a way to preserve scraps of that. Yeah. You know, that, that, okay, take it away, but make like a walking path where Jaws still jumps out at me. So yes. I can, yeah. anyway. Well, we could, we could do a whole other podcast about yeah. that, but the theme parks, another day, the wizarding world, there are actually references to the Jaws ride in that area. I've heard. I'm, and I, yeah, I'm going back down there mainly for that, but eh, we'll talk more about it anyway. Um, <laughs> Tangents. Number two. Number two is uh, psycho. Oh, oh, very good. Because um, I have to have that's that's the exception. Is that at some point I got really really into Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen all of them, but I've I've seen many more. You know, I've seen twelve or fifteen Hitchcock movies, which is very unusual for me. Yeah. among the classic directors, um, Psycho is one of the best films ever made, and is one of those where you know Roger Ebert used to do like hours and hours long commentaries where they would have a conversation about practically every shot because there's that much to say Mm -hmm. about every shot um and it's you know if you listen to the i think it was called inside psycho podcast was a short form podcast last year the studios thought he was nuts yeah and 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 were absolutely like why are you making a tacky Mm -hmm. low budget uh, 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 murder movie when you could, you you really should be making a prestige picture, um, and he kind of showed how that's the best example of how artful the genre can be. Yes, except for my number one. Oh, in- oh, interesting. Yeah. I yeah, I that's another one like Blair Witch, the making of that movie because there was a mm-hmm. book and like you said a short yeah. form podcast. It's it's really fascinating to see where Hitchcock was. And, you know, he could have made any number of big, giant, big-budget movies, but he, he grabbed his TV crew from his series, and he makes this weird, dirty mm-hmm. kind of... And another one is really transgressive movies, because not unlike... It predates, but it's not unlike Night of the Living Dead, in that in the 60s, horror movies were still for kids, and Vincent Price, right. and mm-hmm. cheesy rubber monsters, and for him to make something, again, very real, very scary, very yeah, great mm-hmm. stuff. I had no idea Sean and I were so movie compatible. Yeah. <laughs> My number one is The Birds. Oh, there you go. Uh, that, mm-hmm. the, just the sounds the birds made hitting the windows, coming in the yeah. chimney, like that just always kind of sticks with you. And just like not being able to escape these insatiable birds, no matter where they went, yeah. no matter how they tried to barricade themselves. And it was so, I remember, I saw it when I was younger, and I remember seeing it and going, this is horrifying. My best friend's afraid of birds. Well, and it's it, this movie. It's not um, another great movie that doesn't, at the end of it, they don't say, oh, here's why the birds yeah. went. And they're like, nope, it nope. just happened. And, and by the way, it it's like, still okay. happening. Yeah. And um, uh, Jen has a bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, and sometimes she will take flight and instinctively your lizard brain goes, what's happening? Because yep. that, like, yeah, it's. That sound, the thumps that it would make every time the birds hit the windows, hit the house, or in the chimney, when they barricade the chimney, that just, like, in the cars, you couldn't go anywhere without, and I think just the pecking, too. 
birds in their pecking and the blood and it just yeah, it, yeah. that's that's my top. Uh, my number that's a great one. My number one again. This is a weird thing to say. It's my favorite scary movie, even though it doesn't. It didn't necessarily scare me. I can. Mm-hmm. I have a whole list of movies that like just destroyed me. A lot of them are Asian. You know, I think it's another thing yeah. that audition. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my god, audition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, but I mean, in the '90s, around the time of of Ring and everything else, there mm-hmm. were a lot of movies that were remaking classic movies like The Grudge mm-hmm. and Pulse. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, all of those trigger my my brain in a big way. Um, there's a lot of little individual scenes from David Lynch movies that have always freaked me out. Mm-hmm. I can't say that this movie scares me but it, it is that movie if somebody said oh you you have to watch this um once a week for the rest of your life i'd be like yay mm-hmm. and it's uh john carpenter's the thing mm. um yeah huge fan of that movie uh, i was lucky enough to see it on the big screen um just a few months ago it still holds up um another movie all practical effects another movie where you feel like oh did they just actually bring an alien in you know mm-hmm. it just uh, it's it's so good, and I just find myself quoting it. And it's mm-hmm. a movie that made a big impact on me when I was a teenager. And it's fun now that I'm not a teenager to look back and just always see something new or something that I admire about it. And just the confidence that John Carpenter uh, does when he directs it. Like it's not a big showy movie. Mm-hmm. It's not you know there there no attempts to sort of try to make it more marketable. It opened up the same time as E.T. Did not do very well. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie, and that's my number one. The, the, my, my favorite fun fact about that is uh, if you happen to speak Norwegian, <laughs> yes. the whole plot is spoiled for you. Really? Yeah, because when they first land, the people on that base in a, in oh, are Norwegian, wow. and they come out yelling in Norwegian. And what they're saying is explaining what's going on. They <laughs> explain. They explain. I, I forget exactly what it is, but they're like it jumps from body to body, and it's it. it, it you think it's a human. You think that thing's a dog, but it's not a dog. There's a thing inside of it. That. They say all of that in Norwegian. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So any uh, any people you know any norwegians who you know moved that's to the states had a much different experience that's with the fantastic film. Yeah. 30 plus years i've been obsessed with that movie i never mm-hmm. never knew that well why would you question you're like hey they're yelling in a language yeah. because yeah. that's what that's how movies are made but yeah. yeah uh my number one is always the shining because okay. that's yeah. my favorite movie yeah um i, I like i said you know I, i'm a i'm a nerd for kubrick I think that's his best movie, mm-hmm. and in terms of obsessive, almost you know, uh, uh, psychotically obsessive uh, um, pouring of control and care and artfulness into every shot of a movie to make everything, every sound, everything the mm-hmm. camera ever does mm-hmm. adds to the tension and fear. And packed with perfect performances, obviously, yeah. but, you know, the Overlook Hotel is the best, you know, horror mm-hmm. sight probably yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the follow-up reason why I'm going to Florida in October is because Universal yes. is... Doing an, an Overlook Hotel haunt oh, for the first time ever. Yeah. Um, but uh, when we counted down our favorite movies, in fact, this keeps happening. When we counted down our favorite movies, 
The Shining was number one. We just did our 200th episode where we each pitched what is the best year in film history. Oh, and mine wow. was 1980, mainly because The Shining came out. Okay. Like, I, I made the argument I made the argument on The Shining, Empire Strikes Back, and Airplane. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then, you, like, there's another, there's a level deeper of, of um, Friday the 13th and The Fog were that year, Coal Miner's Daughter, Raging Bull, oh, Blues Brothers, Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good stuff there. It was definitely... I was not right. The win- uh, Go listen. Eh, listen to find out the winner. Our 200th episode is now just two weeks old. Go listen to that to find out what the actual best year in film history is. But um, my admiration for the movie kind of does not end. Yeah. You know, like there's no, you'd, you'd have a hard time... Like if you were like, what's best comedy? I would think of a way to get The Shining on the list. <laughs> yeah. Not really. But uh, yeah, that's that's has always been, you know... At the top of all of my movie lists. Yeah, yeah. It's it's another movie that for me, I remember liking it when I saw it. Uh, but then over years, it's really grown. It has this kind of strange hypnotic mm-hmm. thing. You just, as many times as you've seen it, you just watch it over and over and over. And I mean, I know some of the theories are pretty, are pretty out there, but Room 237... Right. Uh, is fascinating to watch. And I mean, just as you say, the level of attention that went to it. They did a thing um, a couple of years ago where they actually ran the movie, if I can explain it, forwards and backwards simultaneously. So did you hear about this? Yeah, there's they, two projectors, and one is running it in regular time forward, and the other is running it in regular time backwards. And you realize, maybe by design, maybe not, that certain things actually sync up. Wow. I mean, like, yeah, definitely not. This is a this is a dark side of Oz thing. Yeah, but yeah, but but that that does speak to the depth of it. That there's so much going on in every shot that you can do some something crazy like that and read new levels of meaning yeah. into what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And my, I, I've realized over the years, my some of my favorite direct my favorite directors, um, you know, people like Stanley Kubrick, uh, Christopher Nolan, uh, blah, 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 Barry, or no, Fincher, David Fincher. I'm a huge fan of their work. I would not necessarily ever want to be in a car with them for a few hours. And their level of attention and detail is remarkable and something I absolutely do not have. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that's why I'm kind of drawn mm-hmm. to it. I mean, yeah. Katie will tell you, as we're sitting here in the basement, like <laughs> we open in 30-plus days, and there are still huge swaths where I'm like, oh, we'll do a thing and a thing and a stuff and a thing. Nice. You know, where Stanley Kubrick would say, all right, I'm going to take – Two years, and you know when he did Eyes Wide Shut, mm-hmm. he had somebody taking photos of like every front door of all the residential homes in a certain neighborhood, mm-hmm. so that when he recreated the set, you know, like there's a reason he would take six and seven years between movies because he would be yeah. so specific, wow. which I find remarkable, but also in real life was probably exhausting. One of the uh, one of my favorites is they. The the layout of the Overlook Hotel was deliberately impossible mm-hmm. in ways that you would never notice watching it, but your 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 brain might pick up on a little bit that yeah. like a you know a corner would come out of nowhere or, or you know the layout of the the building was such that it couldn't happen, and this wasn't and and. With the way he had attention to detail, that has to be deliberate, right? Yeah. Um, but this was not discovered until the mid-90s when someone made a map for the video game Doom and tried to painstakingly recreate the wow. overlook oh my gosh. and was like, wait a minute, there's 
they go into the office and there's a window, but the office is in the center of the building and there's all these doors. But we then he turns around a corner and sees yeah. that there's if you look, there's nothing on the other sides of those doors, and no one had really become aware of it until someone sat down and tried to map it out. Wow. I I and it's it actually surprised. I thought about putting Shining on. You know, if you ask me next week, Shining would probably be right. on this list. One of my favorite Shining stories I found out recently. Uh, I forget the author. These they're excellent, huge coffee table books about the making of the Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was one of my favorite things about the making of Empire Strikes Back. It got delayed shooting because Stanley Kubrick was still shooting all of his hotel stuff in Pinewood Studios, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's amazing to think then and now, like okay, the sequel to one of the biggest movies of all time couldn't get started because Stanley Kubrick was still shooting The Shining. And I think I, this part, I know that part's true, but I can just imagine George Lucas being like, oh, it's Stanley Kubrick? Okay, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. Yeah. 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 We'll wait. He gets yeah. what he wants. Yeah. Uh, the only movies on either of your lists that I didn't see were The Haunting, or The Howling and uh, American Werewolf. Hmm. I am shocked you have not seen American Werewolf. So is so's, so's, uh, my podcast partner, Aaron Kleiber, which is why he handed me the DVD a year ago. And I'm, I'm going to pop it in there one of these nights. I really am. You, you really owe it yourself to watch it because... Yeah. The Howling is fun. It's like this weird... John Sayles wrote the script. It's this Really? Weird, yeah. yeah. John Sayles wrote... Wow. John Sayles made his money... Uh, now we're getting really nerdy. Yeah, I'm going to have to. <laughs> John Sayles made, wrote Alligator, The Howling, like he... Piranha. Yeah. He wrote like all these really weird, greasy horror movies in the 80s. So so he made... Yeah. So, to, you know, to give himself enough money to make a three-hour meditative quiet thing, yes. he would write some horror <laughs> yeah. movies. Yeah. No, but you you... You have to tell me when you've seen American Werewolf because yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I love the fact that very little crossover, mm-hmm. really, other than just uh, Scream. I think Scream was Scream. the only yeah. one, yeah, yeah. So prominent Hitchcock films yeah. near the top of the list. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah, plenty. Of, uh, there are plenty of newer movies uh, that mm-hmm. I think I mentioned. I mentioned The Descent. Uh, yeah, all the ones you mentioned. The Witch. The Witch was really good. Yeah. yeah. So all good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well. Now that now that I we've more than doubled your normal podcasting yeah, length, yeah. Where can we find you, Sean? Um, let's talk about movie stuff. Um, <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Is at handlethetruthpodcast dot com and wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. And uh, we will do a live from the basement. Uh, yes. with within the next six weeks, um, sometime. Um, the kind of the Breeders' Digest version of my weekly reviews are for Pittsburgh Magazine at pittsburghmagazine.com slash popcorn, the popcorn for dinner blog. Kind of collects everything I'm reviewing that week. Also at facebook.com slash seancolliorpgh. Also on the DVE Morning Show, uh, if you are in Pittsburgh or listen to iHeartRadio every Friday morning talking about movies. Is that enough? At Twitter at seancolliorpgh. Follow me there. When are you going to be on stage next? Um, all the time. It's yeah. just, you know... You keep appearing everywhere in town. When uh, <laughs> when it's somewhere... It's just finding one that's, like, a, a cool thing people can go to and not, like, oh, I'm at a fire hall four oh. counties over. Um, <laughs> so I'll mention uh, the next DVE Loaded show, yes. which is our... Uh, you know, every couple of months we do a great showcase of local comics the the best people in town doing short sets a bunch packed in uh the next one of those is september 9th at club cafe everyone in 2017 has sold out so get tickets now at clubcafelive.com another great lineup there i'm just hosting my job there is to like 
walk on stage, yell at the audience to pay attention, say penguins, woo, make one joke, and then <laughs> yeah. bring up the first comic. Yeah. But they're great shows, so come on out to The Loaded Show on September 9th. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and talk to you again soon.